either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry. You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Welcome in. We have a decent crop of new stuff right to home video before we get to the lobby. This week, it is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we are from MadWolf.com, and I think that might be the rule here as the situation continues, as we have more things debuting straight to home video. Right. Uh, but we shall see. I think the first one, especially this week, is tailor-made for this type of audience, and it's the story of Poppy and Branch, part two. This time they discover they are but one of six different troll tribes scattered over six different lands devoted to six different kinds of music. The new adventure is Trolls World Tour. There's a world full of other trolls. How different can they be? She wants to destroy us. We need to unite the trolls to save all music. Let's sing them the most important songs in the history of music. This ought to be good. can stop the feeling. How are we gonna hug our way out of this one? I will protect you no matter what. Pinky promise. A pinky promise. Dang. Troll tribe. That's Troll, hard to say. Troll tribe. It kind of is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they are back and uh, this is what I was talking about before when you think about movies that can really take advantage of the situation that we're in. Um, I think it makes perfect sense for this movie to forego the theaters whenever they open back up right. and go for it. Because you've got families... Trapped. Tra- <laughs> trapped. <laughs> having to spend time with each other, for God's sake. But, no, we talked about this before when we first started talking about some of these movies uh, that went sooner than expected to video, like The Hunt and things like that, mm-hmm. and they're asking 20 bucks a pop. Yeah. Well, the, the best way that's going to be a value is if you have a lot of people in your family. Or you can watch it a whole bunch of times exactly before your right. time. And and one of the things, not just about having you know a, a big group of kids that can watch it, or just being stuck together, a lot of parents are still working, mm-hmm. and they've got Zoom meetings to go to, <laughs> and right. they've got kids who are just like bored and restless and yeah. tugging on them, and okay, well, here's 90 minutes that you can pretty much... Exactly, and and you do get it for 30 days, so uh, as yeah. you say, you can watch it multiple times, as the kids like to do with a lot of these movies, and it's a musical, it's got songs, just like the first Trolls, It's not only has songs, it's got songs you're already going to know, yeah. and can already sing along with, right. and it's, it's full of color, and it's happy, happy, and so I think it could do about as well in this situation as any movie is going to do uh, for that inflated price. Because think about that. If you've got a family, even if you've got a family of four, two parents, two kids, the, the cost of taking that whole family to a new movie mm-hmm. with snacks and everything else, mm-hmm. 20 bucks is really a bargain, mm-hmm. especially if you can watch it multiple times. But, but let's get to it. Yeah, it's Trolls World Tour. And this time, yeah, Poppy and Branch are still... They're still friends. Branch, Branch, he feels bad he's caught in the friend zone. So it's Justin Timberlake as it Branch. Is. He's, yeah, he's back. And Anna Kendrick. Right. Branch would like to be more, but can't get up the courage yet. Uh, and before he can, an adventure breaks out. The fact that they find out through 
Poppy's father finally spills the beans that didn't tell us last time that they're not the only tribe of trolls. They're spread out all over the place, each one devoted to a different type of music. And the trolls we know, they're the pop trolls. Mm-hmm. But no, they've got they've got country trolls and they've got classical trolls and funk trolls and hard rock trolls. And they turn out to be the baddies here because the Queen Barb of the hard hard rock trolls, voiced by Rachel Bloom, who, by the way, is the daughter of King Thrash of the Hard Rock Trolls, voiced by Ozzy Osbourne. Ozzy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who else are you going to call, right? right? It just seems kind of funny, though. You go back to when when uh, I was in high school and Ozzy represented all that was evil to, <laughs> to parents of the world, and now he's being sung by trolls. That's right. <laughs> That's how things go. But uh, So the Hard Rock Trolls, they're off on sort of a Mad Max type of pillage right. throughout all the troll kingdom. Devil horns out. Exactly. <laughs> to convert everybody, they're collecting all the magic strings from each musical genre. And once they get them, they're going to hit that magical power chord. And everybody is going to have to bow down to the horns and to the hard rock. So Branch and Poppy have to, uh, have to stop that. And Poppy made a pinky swear, so she has to do it. It's a pinky swear. And so you got to hear a lot of the same types of really exuberant songs sung by the trolls and a lot of different types of music, obviously, with the with the different genres, which is sort of funny because it is more musical. But in a, in a weird way, I think this movie actually makes the different genres more bland. Yeah, that's one of the, the weaknesses of the movie. You hear different types of songs, especially when it gets to the Funk Troll that Village, was, which I love. That was your favorite. You were so happy when they got to the Funk Troll Village and then when George Clinton was one yes. of the voices. He's the king. Yeah. He's the of course king. he is. He, Who else could right, be? Right, right. And then his queen is um, Mary J. Blige, which is perfect. Uh, but even that, when they're doing Atomic Dog, it's it's just, I love it, but it's just... No, it's yeah, a thing, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that where I think um, when, it, when you're comparing it to the original Trolls, it's a little lighter... Musically, but I think where this one scores and what actually made me like it better than the first one is it's just it's just funnier. Right. It's just funnier. I laughed a good bit, mm-hmm. and I looking over the credits, it's really a script by committee, a big committee. Uh, I think two, maybe three, but I think just two of the writers from the original Trolls are back. But they've got some new blood in there, so maybe credit them. I don't know. It's a big committee, but they come up with some funny stuff. I mean, everything from. <laughs> When they're trying to resist smooth jazz and the, <laughs> the Kenny G type troll just won't, you know, just kind of infects their soul, that sort of stuff. And then they have the Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. There's, there's a bunch of new voices, um, and he's the best because he's he's <laughs> great. He's the best. Yeah, he plays a cowboy in country in the country troll land named Hickory. And he's he's got a surprise toward the end, which is a scream, by the way, which, of course, we're not going to give away. But, yeah, his his character is great because he helps them out at first. The the cowboy trolls, the, the, the country trolls, really don't want to help him out, but he does. He believes in their cause. Uh, and so, yeah, he's a scream and a really scene stealer as much as you can steal scenes with just your voice. He does it. So overall, I think it's one that the the kids are going to like. If you like the first one, you're going to like this one. It's a lot of the same. It doesn't really break any new ground. It's thematically pretty simple. It's got that evergreen moral of we should really cherish other people's differences and not try to stamp them out. But at the same time, I think it's just funnier for the parents. So uh, overall, it's a fine, fine choice if you don't want to watch Frozen 2 again for the whole family on movie night. Uh, The brand new one is out this week. Trolls World Tour.
Another one debuting on home video this week is set in the Midwest against a backdrop involving a killing spree thought to be orchestrated by a satanic cult. We summon the darkness. Cheers to a night that we're going to remember for years to come. Here, here. My brothers and sisters, the evil that is heavy metal rock music is unwavering in its goal to corrupt our children's souls. Girls, be careful now. There's a lot of evil out there. You don't think we can fend for ourselves? Boys! Do you want to have a threesome with us? <laughs> Good riddance. Ozzy's everywhere. Yeah, the heavy metal music. Right. We we go from uh, childlike heavy metal to a little more serious and blood and killing <laughs> heavy metal with this one. Ozzy's not actually in this movie, but uh, you know, but he his, ought to be. Right, exactly. It's definitely uh, thematically appropriate for him. It's yeah, it's 1988. And three hot girls are on their way to a heavy metal concert. They're road tripping. And uh, the only thing to worry about is this, yeah, this satanic killing spree that's been going on across the Midwest. This is a very slight film. Uh, the director, Mark Myers, did My Friend Dahmer yeah. a couple of years ago, which I loved. Yeah. You know, uh, but he had some great source material, uh, which is to say a, a, a graphic novel. The material is considerably weaker here. You know, these three girls go to a heavy metal show where all you hear from the band, you see the crowd, you don't see the band, and all you hear from the band is, Hail Satan. <laughs> you know what? What band was that? It wasn't Dawkins. It wasn't Warren. I'm trying to figure out what 1988 hair metal band was shouting that. because Wasp, maybe? I don't know. No? I don't know. Anyway, it's pretty silly. There's a lot about the film that's pretty silly. And then, you know what? There's a lot about it that's actually... Pretty accurate. Um, and uh, and uh, Alexandra Daddario is the lead. She's one of the three girls, and she's really the anchor for the film. She's probably the only person, aside from the pastor, who is played by Johnny Knoxville, against type. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're not really going to recognize anybody else who's in the movie. But she does a good job of uh, sort of being the center of gravity for this. It, again, the plot is very slight. It, it hits some fun comic notes. It's got some... The, perform the writing isn't exceptional, but the performances are good enough that mm -hmm. they elevate a lot of it. So it's, you know, it's pretty mediocre, but it's fine. I enjoyed it. I, you know, I, I'm not dying to see it again, but I enjoyed it. And this one is, it's rated R, uh, so not for the whole family, but the band in this movie can take heart because 20 years down the line, their music is going to be sung by trolls. Right. So it's all going to be, <laughs> it's all, all going to be a lot more family friendly. And that is We Summon the Darkness. Also finally out on home video this week is really one of the best international films from last year. Kept apart by a terrible lie and a conservative society, two sisters born in Rio make their way through life, each believing the other is living out her dreams half a world away. It's called Invisible Life. E que nos encontraremos. Por favor, não se esqueça de mim. This was the official selection, Brazil's official selection for Oscar contention. It did not get the nomination, however, obviously. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised. I mean, there were some great international oh, films yeah. last year. But I thought this was really, really solid. And we saw it a while ago. And yes. I've been wondering. Uh, I think that's why, though, like you said, after it didn't get a nomination. It didn't that, get widely distributed. Yeah, yeah. So now it's on home video. And definitely recommend this. It's, it's weird because normally... 
I talk about, and I think we both do, when we say melodrama, it's a bad thing. Right. When you say a film is going full melodrama. But this one, this one is a melodrama in all the best ways that it can be done. I mean, it dives in headfirst to this melodrama. It's based on a book, and it, it really goes after your sentimentality but and, and takes some turns that, okay, maybe strain credibility a little bit, but it reminded me a lot in those ways of the original The Secret in Their Eyes. Remember that? Yeah, Fantastic that film. Oscar Actually, Nine. it that was Oscar won. winner. It, yeah. Yeah. It reminded me in its storytelling ways a little bit uh, like that movie, but it tells the story of two sisters, as it's said in the synopsis there, they get separated because their par- uh, their father disowns one of them, and they end up believing they each are leading different lives. The one, as they were growing up, the one just wanted to find true love, and the other one wanted to be a classical pianist. So as they get separated, each one is believing the other is living out their dreams when reality is much different. So it's it's very interesting. It takes a couple of turns, and it's got some great performances by the two lead actresses. Uh, they're played by Julia Stockler and Carol Duarte, and they are fantastic. And the uh, director is Karim Anous. I've probably mispronounced his name, as I usually do, but it's really solid. Like I say, melodrama in, in positive ways. Uh, it's it's going to play upon your, your sentiments in, in ways that you'll be thankful for, if, if that's possible. No, this is, I don't remember saying that about too many movies. No. Because normally when they go this route, it's just so eye-rolling. Sure. But not here. Not here. I really enjoyed Invisible Life. And it it is successful in drawing those parallels between the invisible lives of these sisters because they can't see each other, and also it's the invisible lives of these women in this patriarchal society right. is what it is, how they're just their lives don't matter. And it's very interesting because all the men, all the other adult men in this movie are are not good people, but it, the children, when you see young boys in the village, uh, they're always talked about how the women talk about how he'll grow up into a good man. It's right. like the hope is right. we're going Next generation's to exactly, fix this. exactly, and it doesn't really beat you over the head with it, but the message is surely received. And uh, this one is very good, very, very highly recommend. Invisible Life. Music biography is next. Miles Davis, horn player, band leader, innovator. This one explores archival photos and home movies shot by Miles and his colleagues, his manuscripts, and his original paintings to explore the man behind the music, Miles Davis, Birth of the Cool. Miles started very early. He looked at things differently. He saw things differently. Without a doubt, the most unique person I've ever known. He wanted to be an artist just like Stravinsky. A lot of the old guys thought that if you went to school, it would make you play like you were white. If you learned something from theory, you would lose the feeling in your playing. I wanted to see what was going on in all of music. He comes up with a style that is truly reflective of who he is. He was angry, antisocial. But then he starts playing and people are like, oh, he just disarms you. Miles D comes representative of a kind of cool, He becomes our black Superman. All I ever wanted to do was communicate what I felt through music. So this is one that's been on Netflix for about a week, but it is now widely available on streaming services this week. And uh, I 
liked it better than I thought I would. And one of the things that I thought was cool about it is that the voiceover who who reads his manuscripts, he's got that same sort of a cool, raspy voice. Yeah. So you almost feel like it is Dave is talking. Yeah, it's actor Carl Lumley is actually doing the voiceover. But you're right. You can just easily get lost in the fact that it's it sounds like Miles Davis. But he's such an enig- enigmatic figure over the years. Very hard to pin down until the very later stages of the career. He always looked like, look, get out of my face. Right. I don't have time for you. I just want to play. Um, and But he was cool. I mean, especially when he had those cool shades on. You see pictures of him from back in the day. And man, he cut a cool figure. And of course, extremely, extremely innovative musically. And it really does a good job of encompassing the whole career as as much as it can, um, it starts out you know early. I learned a lot of things about his early days and playing with you know the, the greats like Charlie Parker and Thelonious Monk and things like that. Up until the the point where he became the mentor to sure. the next generation, Herbie Hancock's uh-huh. and the Wayne Shorters and people like that. So it's very informative, and if obviously if you if you're a fan, you're going to love it. Uh, but I don't think if you're not, it's probably going to like a lot of these good documentaries do spur you to go investigate. And find some of those albums, those classics, you know, with John Coltrane, uh, his collaborations there, or, you know, uh, Kind of Blue or uh, Bitches Brew or many of those uh, works you can find. And then later, when he got into the weird 80s period, when he, he started guest starring on Miami Vice and doing those <laughs> pop collaborations, then, it you know, it, it, all those different ways that an artist changes throughout his career. But then I think one of the things this movie does, and the director is Stanley Nelson, one of the things he does best about this is put all of it in a historical context of what was going on in the country and in the world at the time he was making this music. And uh, you're right, I think the voiceover is really effective. Um, So definitely for fans of Miles Davis, even just for fans of music in general, maybe if you don't know a lot about Miles Davis, would definitely recommend The Birth of the Cool. Another documentary is next. It's Ordinary People in New York, asked to talk about their lives and their hopes for the future in a time marked by political division and climate change. It's called The Hottest August. This is a modern time filled with a lot of stress. People have thought the United States is far more stable than it actually is. We've had this uneasy truth, this fake stability for a long period of time. I believe your quality of life is better if you have a lot of money. We're very resourceful. I'll worry about it when the time comes. Hands up! Don't shoot! Hands up! Don't shoot! So right now, there are a handful of films that you can see. They're not on traditional streaming services just yet, but you can see them through different websites of... Uh, film centers. Uh, Gateway Film Center has a lot right now. The Wexner Center for the Arts, those are both here in Columbus. Alamo Drafthouse. There are a lot of places where you can go and part of what that does, you can see the films before you could on, on regular streaming services and also part of what you pay, the rental, goes to those theaters. Right. And this one is one that you can watch at the Wexner Center for the Arts Film Center, wexarts.org. And uh, it's Brett Story, filmmaker, her documentary, and it's it's kind of fascinating the way it's structured because uh, August of 2017 was the hottest August in record. It was also the same month of the last and the first one, what, 100 years total solar eclipse. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Yeah, sure do. Yep, we had those glasses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we did. <laughs> 
<laughs> we let that guy, there was like a service guy across the street. Remember he was delivering something to a neighbor? And yeah. we, we let him come over and watch. Yeah, yeah. you borrow our glasses yeah, for a minute exactly. so we can yeah. all watch this. Yeah, yeah. and it's, uh, it's a very loosely structured, just look at what people were thinking mm-hmm. in that very moment in time. Just in New York City. So she just goes borough after borough and talks to just everybody. She talks to these big thinkers in their very lofty apartments with their really expensive art. She talks to a couple of people sitting in lawn chairs on the side of the street pointing out some of the rats that are there because of gentrification in the next neighborhood over and mm-hmm. all of the all of the buildings that are going up. And, you know, she just talks to, like, everybody, skate punks and artists and, and yeah. everybody. And the only real common thread is how they're feeling about the future. And it's just fascinating to see where everybody goes and what we're all concerned by. And it's just um, an interesting sort of microcosmos of a film. It's one of those that, that'll be interesting to revisit, say, 10, 20 right. or years down the line right. and see how people felt about the future here. Well, in this case, 2017. So the hottest August. And that takes us to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Well, first off in the lobby is one available on Hulu. It is Parasite. What else can we say? I know. Watch about it. Parasite. Just watch it, watch, watch it, watch it, it. Not watch, only, it, watch it. Not only our favorite film of last year, but one of the best movies of the decade. And the Oscar winner and very well-deserving Parasite. Also coming out on their normal uh, VOD schedule is Cats. Well, what else can we say about Cats? That we don't know if it's the butthole cut. <laughs> I just was going to say it before you did. Yeah. Yeah. Who was it? Was it somebody on uh, on social? Was it Monty? It was who Monty. said, give me the butthole cut or get the F out. That's right. Basically. And so that's what we've come to now with cats. So if you want to watch it again, God bless you. Now, Doolittle, <laughs> Doolittle is out this week. Now, here's one. I remember Doolittle came out. The same at to the theaters, the same weekend as uh, Bad, Bad Boys for Life. Right. And that's one where we really felt disconnected because everybody loved Bad Boys for Life. Not only audiences, it got a lot of good reviews. Well, it still is and right now. And we thought it was horrible. It's the most popular rental on Fandango. And we just, we thought it was like it. so terrible. Conversely, Doolittle is not great. It is no, not great. It's not, not even say, good. But not it's saying fine. it's great, but it got just savage, like yeah. like cats savage. Yeah. And it's not that bad, especially for kids. Well, mainly for kids and families because yeah. they'll like they'll like the uh, talking animals. I will say Robert Downey's performance is very perplexing. Yeah. The especially the the accent he takes, he's very hard to understand. But um, it's not cats bad. No. Let's put it that way. So <laughs> I think it could be a fine time waster uh, for the family, especially for the kids. Brahms the Boy 2 is out this week. No. Okay, that and- was one that tried to be scary. Well, and it also, it's a sequel to a movie I saw and nobody else did called The Boy. <laughs> and there's a reason nobody else saw it. It wasn't any good. And this one, you know, how do you make a sequel to a movie that's not any good? Well, it's hard to do it well. Yeah. So uh, it's just not really, it's not scary. It's not worth your time. It's and th- then there's two out on DVD only. So I guess that means Redbox. You can get them. And if you want to be handling DVDs yeah. right now. They're out on DVD, and one is definitely worth it, Little Women, one of our favorite movies from last yes, year. Yes, indeed. Such a great adaptation. We've said it before. 
you take something that you couldn't believe. Are we going to do Little Women again? Are we really going to do it again? Yes, we are. And, and we're, we're going to do it better than it's ever been exactly. done. Exactly. So, loved it. And The Night Clerk is out on DVD as well. Yeah, this is one I, I, I was hoping. I had higher expectations for just because of the cast, really. Ty Sheridan and, and Anna Diarmas. And uh, and it's, uh, you know, it's a thriller mystery, but it's not very mysterious. Uh, some of the performances are pretty good. Ty Sheridan is good. And uh, and also Helen Hunt playing his mom. But huh. it's... Um, it's okay. a little bit of a letdown. All right. Looking ahead to next week, uh, this must be the new one from Dame Judy Dench. It's called <laughs> Butt Boy. <laughs> did I get that casting wrong? I think you did. Okay. Butt Boy is out next week. All right. What kind of show are we running here? Sayla <laughs> uh, and the Spades is out next week as well. Beginnings, Endings, which I just watched. That's the latest with Shailene Woodley. And something called Droving. Yes. Do we know anything about that? I know that we have a link to watch tonight. Okay, there you go. That is set. So we'll talk about those next week. In the meantime, what'd you think about this week? Are you rocking like Dockin' and <laughs> Trolls World Tour like Ozzy? Let us know what you thought about that or anything. We're always up to keep the conversation going on Twitter. That's the easiest way to find us. We're at Mad Wolf. Also on Instagram and Facebook, it is Mad Wolf Columbus and the main website where you can find our written reviews and also our other horror movie only podcast called Fright Club. You can always find that on the main website, which is madwolf.com. And we always appreciate you stopping by the screening room. Do us a favor, if you would, and subscribe, rate, and review. Appreciate that as always. So until next week, she's Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. <laughs>